Hey, you're listening to the Beyond Podcast with your host, Timmy Riggs. So glad that you are on here with us today. We started a new series this past weekend uh, at our church called Blessed, with a question mark, where we kind of dive into, hey, are we blessed? How do we know if we're blessed? How does God choose to bless, and, and how do we look for it, and things like that. And so we'll talk a little bit into that. But then I'm really excited because I will be with uh, special guest Dan Rodriguez, who's our new discipleship pastor here at the church. Great guy. Already feel like I'm getting to know him well. And so I want you to get to know him. So we're going to talk a lot just about him and his call and uh, what he feels like God has uh, brought him into. And so we're excited. And I'm so glad that you're on here with us again. If you're encouraged by it, we'd love for you to share it and review it and all that good stuff. So, uh, yeah, sit back and enjoy. All right. Hey, Dan. Uh, thanks for being on here with us. Yeah, man. Glad to be here. And uh, we are in kind of this new space here at our church where we've tried to turn it into a little makeshift studio. And uh, so we'll see how it turns out. And so you, not only is this like one of your first major weeks here at the church, this is now you're getting to experience a kind of trial by error of, of new spaces and our flexibility here at BFC. That's kind of... <laughs> no, I'm excited. This place is great. Yeah. Um, so are you having fun so far? You feel like you've met a good amount of people getting the swing of things? Uh, yeah. I mean, uh, a little overwhelmed with the amount of people that we've met, but I'm trying to at least learn five to 10 names a week. If I can do That's, that, I'll be all right. What's your secret? How, what's your trick to learning names? Uh, I just try to like pick something out about that person that I can remember and somehow tie it to that person's name, right? Yeah. Whether it's a facial feature or something that they wear or something like that that I can tie to their name eventually. Do you put their name in notes or? No. Sheer memory, guys. He does sheer memory. <laughs> That's great. Not always the greatest, though. So I'll, I'll be asking a lot of people, is that person so-and-so? So um, if you guys see me around and I'm kind of blanking on your name or I do a trick with my wife where it's like, hey, this is my wife, Whitney, and then she'll <laughs> ask, hey, what's your name? And it'll be a reminder to me. Yeah, that's yeah. good. So if you see Dan, just hit him with your name again. And uh, that's just a good rule of thumb, you know, yeah. all the time yeah. is to just be like, hey, I'm Timmy, you know, good to see you. Yeah. And then even if that person's like, I know, you know, yeah. um, or if they don't, they can say I know. And it still sounds good. Right. <laughs> um, anyway, well, yeah, there's a lot of people, a lot of great people uh, here at our church that we love, including everyone listening. Yeah. And uh, so I'm excited for you to get to know them and uh Truly, so many encouraging people. I probably get a, uh, one or two really encouraging texts a week or on Sunday, just something so encouraging when I'm walking in. And, and so that's always it's so good to know, you know, and, um, and I'm sure it's going to be the same way for you. But, Dan, you have come in, and you're going to be our discipleship pastor. You know, Pastor Mike Brooks uh, retired back in December, and so we started talking with you, and uh, here you are. And so we're really excited, and you were not, you've never lived here in Oklahoma City. So what I want you to do real quick, not real quick, you can take your time, is kind of give us a little bit of background of where you're from, where you went to college, you can tell us about your family and your call to ministry, those kind of things. I know it's kind of a lot packaged in there, but sure. we'd love to hear you just kind of go and know your story a little bit. Yeah, so I grew up in a small town in Illinois, um, and uh, I went to uh, school at Olivet Nazarene University, and uh, that's where I met my wife, Whitney. She's originally from an even smaller town in Michigan, and uh, we met there um, Got married about, it'll be 11 years ago this coming May, 
And um, then from there, we moved out to Fortville, Indiana, where we were youth pastors there. And then we helped with um, joining um, a church plant team to plant a church up on the north side of Indianapolis. And we were there for uh, about three years. Um, And then from there, we moved into close to downtown Indianapolis. And um, I was serving on staff at um, a compassionate ministry site called Shepherd Community Center Mm. there on the near east side of Indy. Um, So I served there. For close to four years, was working with uh, the interns and fellows, so working with a lot of college age students and um, helping them kind of get involved with um, the mission of Shepherd to kind of explore what does it look like if God's calling you to urban ministry, what does incarnational ministry kind of look like, how does that take on flesh and bone, um, and so we were there, um, like I said, for close to four years, and then um, took a step back. For a little bit to just kind of regather and kind of recalibrate ourselves um, and began to just feel like God was stirring our our hearts and our lives for something different and we didn't quite know what it was we loved being in Indianapolis uh, we lived in that home for about six and a half years and so absolutely loved it loved the neighbors that we were living with or living next to you um, and the things that God was doing in that neighborhood um, but we eventually just kind of felt like God was calling us into something slightly different Um, but our heart has always been for um, those who would not easily darken the front door of a church building Um, part of my story growing up is um, both of my parents would work on Sunday morning and they really wanted us in the church I'm the youngest of three boys and so they really wanted us in the church but they had no way of getting us to the church on Sunday morning and so um at the time, the church had a bus ministry. They would go out into the community, pick up kids, bring them to the church. And so I was part of that that ministry. Um, eventually, like, bus ministry, the bus broke down or something to that effect. And um, But there was still another individual in the church who would come and pick me up on Sunday morning. And uh, so I'm really grateful for the fact that I, I'm part of a church that, you know, if if it wasn't for the church coming to me, I wouldn't be in the church, right? Um, eventually, my parents would would start attending, uh, start coming on Sunday mornings. Um, but for that time where they both worked on Sunday morning, it was really vital to have a church that was operating outside of its walls. Um, so my heart and, and my wife's heart has always been for those who may find themselves outside of the church that would not easily darken the front door of a church building, and we're always looking for ways. How do we as the people of God begin to mobilize um, into mission, into service, into the community uh, for the sake of those who who are far from him that they would hear and see the gospel. Yeah, that's so good. I think about, um, we think about the future of the church, and Chris and I kind of spent a good amount of time talking about that when I interviewed him. And the fear is that even I, and you probably have the same story, grew up with, with, people or went to college with people at a Christian university who were, you know, they would profess, I'm Christian, I'm a believer. And they seem kind of, kind of all bought in, you know, Mm -hmm. when you're in school and you look now for me, six years out for you, 10, Mm -hmm. 11, and you see like, oh, it seems to be that their journey of faith, their relationship with Christ, hmm, not what it was when they were in college. They're not a part of a church community. And that, those were people who are you know, pretty involved. And so you're like, 
if they're already starting to pull away and their answer is like, well, I don't know. I just I feel like I can have a relationship with Jesus in a different way. Yet they're missing community and and those vital you know relationships. There's going to be even more that are already that grew up no church background, didn't go to a Christian college or school, and they're I mean they're thinking that going to church is as old school as you know I don't even know like literally bu- bug and horse cart and sure. buggy you know sure. whatever, and so like I think the fear is okay the next twenty five thirty five forty years, how do we not necessarily grow our church but you know grow the impact of people coming to to know jesus and so you're like that's the gospel you know the great commission and um and so what do we have to do and i think it's exactly what you just said go to them go to where they are and we say that and i said that dan for a long time and yet i don't find myself necessarily going out to Mm -hmm. where they are like because it's messy it's scary. It's you. 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 You maybe hear jokes you aren't used to hearing, or things, or comments, or see things, or whatever. Right? Like, and you have to figure out what kind of posture do I take here? How do I be like Jesus in this moment? I don't know. All those are just some of the thoughts that are going through my head. Mm-hmm. That I love that you are, like maybe can help all of us in this kind of. How do we go out? You know, and to where they are. Yeah, I um. I guess I'm, I'm thinking of a, an experience I had over the last few years where there was a, a group of friends and I, we had the opportunity to go to Toronto and, um, we were, uh, we were walking through a neighborhood in that city one night. It was maybe nine, 10 o'clock at night. And, uh, we came across this church church sits on the corner in this community and, uh, it's got this, um, it's got this sign out front that says everyone's welcome. But then right on the front doorsteps to the church, there's this large iron fence. And that iron fence wraps all the way around the church building. And so um, this neighborhood um, historically has been known for like high population of homelessness um, and other just urban realities that you see. Um, but we were standing there talking. We were asking the question, what speaks louder? Is it the church sign that says everyone's welcome or is it the iron fence that's wrapped around the entire building? And uh, as we're talking, there's this person that comes up and he says, hey, can I can I help you? And he's like, I don't know, early 20s. Come to find out he's a student at a local university there. And uh, we were just explaining to him like, oh, we were just chatting, you know? And uh, he says, okay, well, if you need any help, just let me know. He says, I'm, I'm actually a door guard at this church here and i was i was so frustrated and shocked at the same time i mean some people have ushers in their church that you can volunteer and sign up to be an usher some churches evidently have door guards right so i was just so shocked by it we eventually started talking it and at some point we said you know tell us about the iron fence how did this thing get put in place and he said well you know there's a lot of there's a large homeless population here and uh, a lot of times people are coming to the church on Sunday morning and maybe they're having to step over someone as they're walking into the church because they fell asleep on the front doorsteps or whatever it may be. So while we want everyone to feel welcomed here, we also wanted to just set up a small barrier. Um, And still, I just remember listening to that and just being frustrated by it. Now, if you go on the other side of that church building, 
there's a large um, like city park and there's this beautiful garden over there and um, the thing that uh, we talked about as a group that will always stick with me is I think in the kingdom of God we are meant to be less like door guards and more like gardeners I think there's a reason why when Jesus rises from the dead and uh, he's mistaken for being a gardener right um, we are meant to live in this world and cultivate spaces in our world where the kingdom of God can can sprout up and that can take place in any setting any environment we find ourselves in but I think for a lot of us we we grow uncomfortable because we don't know okay how do I cultivate space for someone to hear and experience and feel and kind of touch and taste and see the kingdom of God right in front of them um, because we've kind of been shaped to be door guards instead of people who act as gardeners and uh, I think the kingdom of God is more beautiful when we we find ourselves in a place where we can actually be gardeners that is such an unbelievable story I if you're planning on writing a book that definitely needs to be in it uh, or maybe you've written one not yet. Okay. Um, I think you're so right. And I think the hard part is, and, and this is my soul, I'm going to be really transparent, where you can hear both sides of the arguments, where it's like, hey, you know, like for years, our walls just kept getting graffitied or something. Sure. So we had to put up this iron fence because, like, we hated the idea of having to use tithe money to repaint all the time, you know? And it's like, we really want to connect to these people, but that was our situation, you know? Yeah. And again, that's di- that is even different than we had to step over someone to get into yeah. church, right? And so it's hard because there is this, and everyone's environment's different. Just here, because where our church sits, right. we, we don't necessarily have a high homeless population. Like, that's just not something we really deal with. And But it's, so it really depends on your geography. And so it's like if you are in a place that's like this, one of the things that kind of sparked my mind was like, well, man, maybe that's the kind of place where – you do really good training and equipping of, hey, yeah, we're gonna take, we're gonna sign up for different shifts, and we're just gonna open this place up. We're gonna serve food. You can sleep on the lawn. You can sleep in the pews. Whatever, right? Um, but that's where you start thinking. That's a lot more work. Yeah, it's a lot more effort. A lot more cleaning to be done. Um, a lot more being in the trenches. And you're just like, I think, and I feel like I know that that is, you know, the gospel. But it's definitely harder. Like, and I think that that is the, um, I think that's the thing when it comes to our salvation, free gift, acceptance of the grace. But I think that we talk so much sometimes about the non-effort it takes that we forget about the effort of, and I don't know, maybe you can help me find better language here. Of, of living the Jesus way. So it's like, no, the, the, the grace of Christ freely given to us, but the disciplines to live out some of the lifestyle, it's, it takes effort. Mm-hmm. And again, I don't know. I know there's all types of fancy names for all the stuff. I just, I'm not the guy to give them <laughs> to you. Um, but it's like, how do we, how do we even live into that and maybe pray for more grace and things like that? I don't know. You know what I'm saying? Kinda. Yeah. Um, I think sometimes I think when we're talking about like how do we live out the gospel, I think we boil the gospel down to being just like the gospel of salvation, right? Like mm-hmm. how is one saved and what 
work has Jesus done in order for one to be saved? And then it, it ends up just becoming information that we need to transfer or communicate to someone. And if they can accept that information and if they can understand it and they respond to it, well, then we've shared the gospel. But I think there's actually, you know, that's that's a part of what the gospel is. But I think the gospel is really more encompassing when you think of like the kingdom, right? What is the kingdom embodied? What does it look like? What does it feel like, taste like? Um, so where we were living, uh, we were living in Indianapolis and we were living in a neighborhood that was in transition. And um, I remember we were um, in the backyard one night with uh, one of our neighbors and we were sitting around a fire and um, we got to talking about like people that were moving into the neighborhood who were buying two or three lots. And then, um, you know, they were, they were kind of gobbling up lots in the community and neighborhood for themselves. Maybe they didn't build another home on that lot. It was just meant to be an extra side yard, whatever it may be. And uh, one of my neighbors says he, uh, he was a, uh, urban development architecture like he has just a mind for how cities developed and um, he just expressed his frustration and he said you know you don't move into the city and gobble up lots just to keep them for yourself he said you move into the city to live in close proximity with other people in the city so that when your kid runs into the street I run into the street after him mm. and I don't know if my neighbor would necessarily say like he express that from a place of like faith in Christ. But to me, I think, yes, that's an expression and embodiment of the kingdom that what would it look like for us to live in such a way where, um, we lived not necessarily just in close proximity, but lived in close relationship with people where there was a commonality between us that, um, there was something different about how we lived and that the way we lived, the way we loved, that was, the gospel in full display for everyone to see and it wasn't just information that we transferred or communicated but it was a way of life that we adopted Mm -hmm. right so um i i think more and more like we have to understand the gospel as the the kingdom of god and not just certain tenets that we hold to yeah man that's so good you're just dropping some dimes on us uh (laughs) and I think when you think about it, you know, in that kind of way, and, and it really boils down always to like, I love this line from Pastor Rick. He, he found it somewhere, but he tells a story about this, this man um, who's an Amish man, and he was asked by someone, are you a Christian? And he said, ask my neighbor. Mm-hmm. And you're just like, wow, that's so good. And someone, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to throw uh, – um, Pastor Lewis under the bus here, um, or on the top of the chariot, whatever. And he, someone was telling me the other day that when they bought Lewis's house years ago and they were moving into it and before Lewis left, like he planned a block party for the whole neighborhood, for the people who moved into his house so they could get to know the people. And I just thought like, Man, like that is, and that's Lewis, man. And that is just who he is to the core. But you're just like, that is, that's one of those things. That's not a Ten Commandment. That is not, we're not going to find that written anywhere, whatever. But that is just a, a means of grace, a moment of love, a, you know, an expression of, hey, I'm going to do what I can to help set you up 
for a little bit better or whatever, you know, like, mm-hmm. and make connections. And so I think you're absolutely right. Even in that way, it is, uh, I think that's what's so hard <laughs> sometimes is knowing there, there's not a set, you know, God doesn't just give us like, Hey, this is it. It's black and white. It's gray. No, life's way more colorful. Mm-hmm. And I think when we can start living into it that way, it actually gets a lot more exciting. Mm-hmm. And and the the borders open up and we can say like, hey, Jesus, today, like, here's some opportunities. What what do you want me to do, you know, with these people that I've met? Another person I've been talking with lately, they've kind of went through their dad passed away. And um, he was kind of telling me that the impact that his dad had on so many people, he didn't realize. And he was like, I think what I'm recognizing is that it takes a lot less effort to make a really big impact. And it's just the small things, yeah. you know, and how impactful that can be in people's life, yeah. you know, along the way. Yeah, so definitely. And I think it's one of those things, too, like when we talk about making disciples, like if our only model is like, okay, a mature disciple is someone who you see on the platform or teaching a group or doing something to that effect. There are a lot of people who felt feel left out because they're like, I could never do that. I don't have the gifts or skill sets for that. But when we say, hey, a a mature disciple living out the kingdom of God is someone who can throw a block party for the incoming neighbors, right? Um, There are a lot more people like, oh, I can do that. And you mean that's me actively participating in the kingdom of God? And if we have a church that says absolutely and we affirm and we bless that, and look out. I mean, look to, I mean, imagine what God could do if you have people who feel like, oh, I could do that, right? Um, and so it makes it much more of a, of even playing field in the kingdom. Everyone gets a part to play. Yeah. And I think again, pastor Rick, since he's gotten here, his thing is open arms. How do we live with open arms? Yeah. You know, and that's kind of connected to ask my neighbor yeah. <laughs> and see, you know, and, um, yeah. So that's so good. Well, let's, uh, we're flying and I'm, I've really enjoyed this and, um, you'll be on the rotation because we'll kind of. I'm talking to all the pastors and then we will hit through the rotation again. And, um, okay. but anyway, uh, pastor Rick this past week talked, started our new series of blessed and we've really, I, in some kind of way we've already hit on it, but we can talk a little bit more specific. And this week was all about gratitude. Basically blessings have t- a lot to do with perspective. And um, really the way to respond to our blessings should be um, with the gratitude. And so I, let me just skip right down here to the one main question I was going to ask you. Again, gratitude has so much to do with perspective. Pastor Rick really hits it basic when he opens up. Just, hey, did you did you wake up this morning? Yeah. Whoa, wow. <laughs> mm-hmm. That's incredible. It's like, yeah, and then I walked to the bathroom. He's like, wait a second, you walk there, you know? And it's like, did you turn on the shower? Yeah, and you had warm water? That's insane. Like, mm-hmm. And you were breathing, and, you know, so it's that easy. So with gratitude, so much of it has to do with perspective. What are ways that, as in our last eight minutes here, that we can talk through how do we broaden our perspective? How do mm-hmm. we make sure that it's not, well, I had these two-hour meetings today, and then I had to take the kids to soccer, and I got home, and I had a splitting headache, and then I had to cook dinner, and it's like, well, if you look another way, that's all really good stuff. You have a job. You have healthy kids. You got to cook, mm-hmm. you know, whatever. I don't know. So how do we broaden? Yeah, I think a lot of it, you know, Pastor Rick kind of touched on it is, you know, a matter of perspective, really kind of getting outside of yourself a little bit, right? 
enough to be able to to look at your life from a different vantage point to say, okay, that is an area in which I've been blessed. Um, and I'm thankful and grateful that God has given me that. Um, I think sometimes we often do it like in the church, right? You, you, I remember growing up and you go to a mission trip somewhere and you come back and you report to the church, yeah, we serve these people and um, this is what we were doing. And I remember a lot of times it's this kind of like comparison game that gets played where you look at the people that you were supposed to go and serve and you end up realizing they have much more gratitude or joy than what I have and they they have less than what I have. And there's a sense in which like those kind of experiences can broaden your perspective, can create a sense of gratitude in you. But I think it's when I talk to people, when I interact with others and I'm like, man, they have a gift of just being thankful and showing gratitude they are individuals who do not play that comparison game necessarily. They're not like, oh, well, someone else in the world probably has it worse off than I do. Mm. As much as they are, their eyes are fixated on Christ so much that they just realize that every breath that they have comes from him. And man, I'm, I'm thankful that I have that, right? And I'm grateful that my life um, is dependent upon him in every way in which I'm every breath I'm given is is a gift from God. And so they're not playing this kind of like, you know, comparison game as much as it is that they just have their eyes fixated on him. And so, you know, the question is then, like, how do we cultivate that, right? How do we get outside of ourselves enough that our eyes are fixated on him in a way that that gratitude is just constantly stirred in us? Um, and so, you know, we could always talk about the different, spiritual disciplines and the practices, the compl- uh, contemplative prayer and the reading of scripture. Um, by and large, the people that I meet that have that kind of gratitude are the ones who are like deeply shaped by those kind of rhythms and disciplines and who have their eyes fixated on Christ enough that they can, they can see. And I think Pastor Rick, you know, where he wrapped up his message was, was awesome in the sense of where he was talking about oh, there was a pastor who came to church one morning and someone came to him and said, hey, pastor, so-and-so's here. And another person comes up and says, pastor, so-and-so's here. And the moment when he was, when the pastor was worshiping and he felt like he wanted to raise his hand and, uh, but he thought, well, what would so-and-so think? Mm. And he, he ended it. He says, well, if so-and-so knew where I have been and what Jesus has done in my life, then he would understand why I would stand here and raise my hands, right? The focus there is it's not on so-and-so. It's not on what other people have or don't have. The focus is what has Jesus done in my life? Mm-hmm. And do I, am I aware of that, reminded of that daily in a way that I can show that gratitude? Yeah, that's, I mean, you're absolutely right. And I think that, like you said, I love the people you have met that live that out. It is just that they're so ingrained into those rhythms, you know. And it reminds me of the proverb. Uh, I can never remember whether it's like twelve twenty one or twenty one twelve or whatever. One mm-hmm. of those. Uh, but in the message version, it says the world of the generous gets larger and larger, and the world of the stingy gets smaller and smaller. And I think that passage goes way beyond just hey i'm giving money i mean that is hey i'm generous with my gratitude mm. i'm, I'm I, in, in all things that are 
you know, fruits of the spirit or whatever, like it, it only creates more of them. And so when you wake up and you say, man, I'm, so, I'm thankful I woke up, thankful that I can see the clouds, I can hear the birds chirping, you know, mm-hmm. what that leads to, I find in my life when I'm doing this well, is I'll be walking in the grocery store and I'll see something like a dragon fruit. And I'm just like, hold the phone. Everybody look over here. Have you looked at this fruit? Like put your phone down. Stop thinking about what you're thinking about. Look at this. If this fruit wasn't real, we wouldn't expect it to be right. Like it's like giraffes or grapes. Like if they didn't exist, we'd be like, that's a crazy thing. Right. But they do exist, you know, and like, it's not just sci-fi and you're like, how about I just lean into that smallest thing, right? Yeah. Like or the fact that like the way that bees like interact with flowers and how that spreads the uh, pollen and, and all this stuff. And like it nurtures the bees and nur- like that's insane, yeah. right? Like and if you can get out of the small humdrum of like, well, this is what I do. And I think so much comparison comes from social media that's affects Everyone now, really, um, but especially millennials, Gen Zers, whatever, it is it it crushes our soul, man. Because all you're doing, you're seeing everyone else put out their highlight reel, and you're living your behind the scenes. And so, all that to be said, I feel like you're absolutely right. If if you lean into some of those smaller things, I think it just creates so much bigger things of gratitude. With Emma being pregnant, every day I'm like, it's crazy. It is crazy that there's a human being in there. Like, I, I start getting claustrophobic when I think about it. But for the baby, it's like the best thing ever, right? Yeah. Like, and you're just like, that's nuts. Like, that is, it would make more sense to me if you were like, babies are born in test tubes. <laughs> like, I'd be like, yeah, it makes sense. Like, not in another human, right? And so you're like, wow, the way that God has created things so complex, mysterious, but really fun and, you know, beautiful is is incredible and that only births more you know gratitude in those mm-hmm. things and that's just we just talked superficial practical things mm-hmm. like you know not not alone the complexities of relationships and so i saw that last week pastor brighton we were having lunch uh there's a few of a few of his pastors having lunch and uh in the matter of like 10 minutes he rattled off like four or five things about oklahoma that are just the best you know he was like oh Brahms is the best, or uh, I think he mentioned something about the turnpike. The turnpike is the best, the and I just—he loves the turnpike. I had to pause for a second. I was like, "Right, you've rattled off four or five things that are the best." Like, to some point, you have to wonder, <laughs> like, which of these you really think is the best? But if, and the reality is, like, it's back to what you were saying. Like, there's a, there's something to say about being able to look at the ordinary things of life or the things that we so often just kind of go through and it's just humdrum and to be able to say, no, I'm thankful for that. Like that, that's amazing that we have that. And that's a guy. If, if someone is feeling down and they're negative and they're wanting to have a pity party, go hang out with Brighton because <laughs> he's going to help you. He's going to make your life better. He's going to make you better at life. Yeah. And, uh, yeah. So he's, he's awesome. And, and you're absolutely right. It is that it just, it begets more of it, right? Yeah. Well, dude, thanks so much, Dan, for being on here with us. And uh, I'm glad that people get to know you a little bit better and, and hear us chat. And it's fun for us. Yeah, you know? man. Glad to be here. And uh, very encouraging. So appreciate it. Thanks. All right, guys. Well, that's it. Thanks so much for listening to the Beyond Podcast. We would love for you to share, invite some others to listen as we continue 
to just dive in each week beyond the message just a little bit and uh, to hear from some of our other pastors. We love you, and we'll talk to you soon.